Let's bow our heads for a little word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for you to come now and be with us as we open your word. Make us wise to take it in and understand it. Bless us as we study, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're thankful for the blessings of God in parking lot church. Yeah. And on a day like this, it's beautiful, beautiful. I know that there's days coming that won't be quite as nice as this. And uh, we're going to do the right thing when that day comes, and we're going to trust in God most of all. So that's coming, and uh, we'll know. We'll know when the time is right, and we'll do what we should do. So in this crazy world, there's a time for us to stand up and say uh, we're going to do what God wants us to do more than any other thing. And so that's coming. We're going to do that. And we just want to assure people who may not uh, be comfortable with that, that uh, we're still going to broadcast over the Internet, and we're still going to broadcast our services over the radio stations. John's got to figure all that out. <laughs> Without him, we'd be sunk. But uh, we're going to try to do that. And so if you're not comfortable with that, there are still alternatives. We, we exclude no one in our thinking. Our text is in Philippians chapter number 2 today. Philippians number 2, as we consider our series of guiding us through the time when we think about the church and what it's supposed to be. When I was young, I worked on my Uncle Ad's farm, and in the summertime, our big job was hay, mowing it, raking it, baling it, and then unloading the wagons and storing hay in the mow. That was hot and sweaty and hard work. And if you've done it, you know. And lots of times it was my job to unload the hay wagons and put the bales on the hay elevator. And uh, if I worked right along, I could, every three or four feet, have another bale on the elevator. So it would be a bale, a couple, three feet, another bale. I had to keep moving, but I could do that. So as I was unloading one day, Uncle Ed was up in the hay mow with two or three other fellas, and he yelled down to me, Hey! And so I had to stop, unplug the elevator so I could hear him. I say, what? He say, a little faster if you can stand it. Well, man, I would just fly after that. And I had six inches between every bale going up that elevator. You see, Uncle Ed knew how to push my buttons. And if he said a little faster, if you could stand it, then I had to prove that I could stand it. That's called motivation. The dictionary defines motivation as to provide someone with an inner drive or an incentive to act. And Uncle Ed knew how to motivate me. Now we had a 10 by 10 
grain room upstairs in the barn. There was a square hole in the middle of that 10 by 10 room. And when the grain room was full up to the top, you just opened uh, the chute and the grain just fell down. Well, after a while, you had to go up and shovel a little bit. And so Big Carl say, it's my turn to shovel the grain. And he'd go up when all you had to do was just push it down the hole. Well, when the only grain that was left was in the corners of that room, then Big Carl said, your turn, kid. <laughs> so I'd go up there and I'd shovel the grain out of the corners and shoot, throw it down the chute. I remember I was shoveling one day and suddenly I heard, hey! I knew that voice. I said, why? Said, a little faster if you can stand it. And from somewhere deep inside, I'd find a way to go faster. Motivation. <laughs> I remember we used to uh, have bags of lime for the barn, and they weighed 80 pounds apiece. And so we'd have to unload them, and we carried them about halfway through the barn and stacked them up. So I tossed the bag on my shoulder, and I'm carrying it down to the barn. On my way back, Uncle Ad said, a man would carry one on each shoulder. So I got one on one shoulder, 80 pounds. I rolled the other one up with one arm, and I walked those two bags down to the barn. 160 pounds is a lot to carry on your shoulders, and I staggered a bit, but I was not going to quit. There was a reason I did it. Because when Uncle Ed saw me carrying two bags of lime, he said, Atta boy, atta boy. <laughs> that was my real motivation. I'd like to hear him say, Atta boy. That was reason enough for me. I remember one night we were all sitting on the porch, and Uncle Ed said, Now Arnold, and then Arnold's my older brother, he said, now, your brother Arnold is smart. He won't work after supper unless I pay him overtime. He's smart. He said, Eric's a big dummy. He works all day and all night for nothing. <laughs> and you see, it wasn't for nothing. It was for approval. I wanted to hear out of Uncle's ad that I was the hardest worker. And he knew what I wanted. And he knew how to say it. He was an expert at motivating me. He knew how to get me to work. We'll see just such a thing in our text today as we talk about motivation. Last week we saw the Apostle Paul heard about a problem in the church at Philippi. They were fighting and arguing among themselves. And Paul said, there's a solution to your problem. Put other people first. Consider first the other person's opinion. And you will find it will help you stop arguing. And then he gave an example. He said, Jesus left the glory of heaven for other people. Jesus became poor, born in a manger for other people. And Jesus suffered for others. And he even died for others. So he said, think like Jesus did. Spend your life for others and it will help you to stop fighting 
and arguing. Now we're going to take up right where we left off last week. Philippians chapter 2. I'm looking at verse number 12. Therefore, my beloved brethren, as you have always obeyed, not not as much in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul says, you did what I asked when I was there with you. Now please do it again, even though I'm not there. Work out your own salvation, he said. Well, a lot of people have a heart attack when they hear those words. People say salvation's a free gift from God. You ask to be forgiven, and He does it. And He gives you eternal life, just a gift. And He gives you a home in heaven. He gives you the Holy Spirit to be in your heart. It's all a free gift, and you don't ever work for it. Of course, that's what the Bible teaches. And that's true. But that's not what Paul means. He says, work out your own salvation. He's talking to this church in Philippi. Or in other words, work out the solution to your problem, which is you argue too much. Well, if you want to stop arguing, you'll have to work on that. And what he means is fix your problem. Now, let me ask you this. How do you get a bad habit. Well, you do something over, you do it over and over again until it becomes a habit. So he says, now, stop doing it. Work at fixing it. Now, here's something quite wonderful. Verse 13 For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Now Paul adds a little something here to the list of their problems. He said they were murmuring, which means that they were complaining. Now that's a bad habit. Complaining. There are people who complain. They complain about everything. They always see the dark side of every action until it becomes a reflex, an automatic response. The first thing they do is complain. It's a habit. So Paul says, work out the solution to your problem, and this is what's going to help you. Stop complaining and begin to find something good instead, something to be thankful for in each person. It will take practice. You'll have to work on that. But, but, here's the real problem. You don't really want to change. You like to complain. You enjoy a good argument. So there is no motivation to change. Paul tells us something that's really quite wonderful. God does two things, he says. He works in you. He says both, two things, to will and to do his good pleasure. God works on your will. He makes you want to change. He provides motivation. Now remember the definition. To provide someone with an inner drive or incentive to take action. 
Uncle Ed motivated me a little faster if you can stand it. He pushed my buttons. A man would carry two bags. He made me work extra hard. But the real root of it was this. I loved him and I wanted to please him. My friends, that's the motivation that God supplies to you and me. If we love Him, we want to please Him. Now there's a driving force in your life. You need to reach down and find something extra. You can do it. Why? Because I want to hear God say, that a boy, that a boy. God says, I want you to stop arguing and complaining and here's a reason to stop do it to please me Jesus gave us a very special promise when he was down here on earth he said when you meet me face to face if you've done what I've asked you to do he promised to meet us with these words well done good and faithful servant Enter into the joy of the Lord. When I leave this old body behind, when I go up to heaven, those are the first words I want to hear. Well done, Eric. That a boy. Welcome home. So you can change. God will supply both motive and instruction. And we can form new habits now here's why we should do that in verse number 15 that you might be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world 2,000 years ago, he said, it's a crooked and perverse nation. Sound familiar? We are to shine a light into the world out there that's full of darkness, it's full of fear, it's full of anger, it's full of hatred, it's full of violence, it's full of lawlessness, and we are to introduce to them Jesus who's full of light and love and peace and confidence and righteousness. It's a life-changing message, a free gift. That's a good reason to stop complaining and arguing. This crooked and perverse nation needs us. Verse 16. Holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. That I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with all joy. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. Paul uses a phrase here that we are totally unfamiliar with. He said, if I be offered upon the sacrifice, your sacrifice. And the actual words in the original language are, if I be poured out. Now in those days, they did something called a drink offering. Water was precious in that dry climate. And if you don't have any water to drink, 
All the money in the world won't help you, right? You'll dehydrate and die without water. And in that dry climate like in Israel, water is a very precious thing. So sometimes they gave water as a sacrifice to God. It was called the drink offering. And I can show you better than I can explain it. This is what they would do with a drink offering. Pour it out for God until there's nothing left. It's all gone. Now Paul says, if I can help you, use me. As a matter of fact, pour me out and use me until you use me up, until there's nothing left of me. I'd give myself to you until there was nothing left to give. You know, that sounds like what Jesus did. Jesus gave himself for others until he gave his life away. Until there was nothing left to give. Paul is just like Jesus. Another good example to follow. He'll give himself away for somebody else. Verse 19 I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. This young man, Timothy, he says, my dear friend, I'm dictating this letter and he's writing it down for me. And I'm going to send this letter with him to you at Philippi. Now, there are other people I could use to deliver this letter, he says, but they are mostly self-centered people, and they'd tell you all about their own lives and what they'd be doing and what they wanted. But Timothy, he's always concerned about you people in Philippi. He's concerned about your life. He's always thinking about others. He's like Jesus, too. Verse 25. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor, fellow soldier, and your messenger, he that ministered to my want. Now I want you to meet a man named Epaphroditus. Paul said, he's my helper. He's a good soldier for the Lord. And of course, you do know him, you people in Philippi. After all, he was your messenger. The church in Philippi wanted to help Paul, so they took up an offering. Now remember, Paul's in prison, not making any money, okay? So the church in Philippi took up a good offering to send to Paul. Of course, they're way over in Greece, and Paul is in Italy, in prison in Rome. Several hundred miles away. And he would have to walk... Most of the way. 
Epaphroditus said, I'll deliver the money to Paul. Several hundred miles. He had to walk. He might be able to catch a boat, but probably not. They didn't have cruise lines in those days. Either way, if he caught a boat or not, as a long, treacherous journey, it would take weeks to deliver that money to Paul. But something bad happened along the way. Listen to what happened, verse 26. He longed after you all, was full of heaviness, because you had heard that he'd been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service towards me. Epaphroditus got sick while he was trying to deliver the money. Some bad disease got a hold of him. Who knows what it was? Exposure to the elements, sleeping outside. Who knows? Bad water, infection, COVID. (laughs) But it says he got so sick he almost died. And Paul says he felt sick. So bad. Not that he got sick. That's not the reason he felt bad. But rather, you heard he got sick. He didn't want you to know. He didn't want you to worry about him. He was serving you by delivering that offering for you. He didn't want you to know it almost killed him. He didn't want you to worry. How thrilling. Here's another fellow who does everything he can to serve other people. He almost gave his life by serving that church in Philippi and acting as their postman. And what happens when you give your life for others? God comes to your help. God came to our aid. God, it says, Paul had mercy on Epaphroditus. Or in other words, he helped him and he healed him. He got over whatever it was that made him so sick. Healing isn't something that we demand from God, my friends. That's not how it works. It comes from God because God is full of mercy. When Epaphroditus got sick and nearly died, God helped him and he healed him just because God is kind and good. That's why it happened. So we have it here. Giving your life for others. Jesus did it. Paul did it. Timothy and Epaphroditus did it. They're all wonderful examples. Why did they do it? In verse 16, Paul uses a phrase. He says, holding forth the word of life how he puts it holding forth the word of life offering the gospel to others I close today with the following story Bill Barton has been up in the hospital in Rochester had an operation and quite a tough one as you know Rochester just lately 
has been a crooked and perverse place, hasn't it? Well, Bill was in the hospital. Someone else, another patient, shared the same room with Bill. He was a victim of a gunshot wound. And he was in the same place, same room as Bill. And Bill Barton, holding forth the word of life, gave that young man his Bible to take home. And that poor fellow was so grateful he cried. Like Epaphroditus, Bill was sick, but God used him to reach out to that fellow in the bed next to him. A coincidence? I don't think so. And so to Bill Barton, boy, well done for holding forth the word of life. My friends, there is a time and a place to do the will of God. If not here, where? And if not us, who? And if not now, when? May the church in East Shelby ever hold forth the word of life into this dark, perverted, and crooked world. God bless you as you serve him by serving others. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings you give us. Down in our heart, we want to be like Jesus. We can't wait to hear that a boy well done. It would be a pleasure to us to have served you and served others. So help us, Lord. That in this dark and crooked, perverted nation, we might hold forth the light and shine it so that others may come and find the truth and know Jesus. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Closing, we're going to sing a song. Only believe all things are possible. Only believe. Right on the front of your bulletin. Stand together with us if you would. On the front of your bulletin, fear not, little flock, only believe. Fear not, little flock, from the cross to the throne, from death into life.
possible. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. I'm going to ask Levi to close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we are grateful to hear the voices of these people in this place today, and we just pray that our hearts would be believing. We pray that we would know that we have a special place and a special job to bring your gospel to the people around. May we hold forth the word. May we know what a precious thing it is, and in this world that is perverse, and this world that is falling apart and crooked, it is more important than it ever has been to reach out, to tell people about you. Let us use the opportunities, whatever they might be, to step forth and bring the word forth to those people around us. May we know that you are in control of these things, and may we trust you and believe. Bring us back to this place and fill us up with you. We are grateful for this place and the protection we feel your hand right over top of this little place. We know that you are protecting us and watching over us in this very moment. And you will continue to do so. Bring us back and watch over us, we ask in your name. Amen.